0: this is Taylor and Cameron, and you're listening to the Black Maid and Depth podcast If you love the Black Married and Debt Free podcast, if you get any joy, if we've ever done anything for you, do us a huge favor and go and give us a five star review on this podcast. Leave us a comment if you like, but that helps our viewership ranking. Peace. Hey fam, want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify has got a platform that makes it super easy for you to do that. They can help you distribute it and even earn money. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. And here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters helps you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is, you can start creating today. Now, the best part is, They will help you distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Now, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Ever since Shira and I started this podcast, we've been able to connect with millions of people. And now you can do the same. What's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Shira. And as you can see, I mean. Y'all know I I like to smile, but I'm really smiling today because we have some special guests in the building, uh, friends of the podcast they've been on before. Uh, We've had the privilege of being on their awesome platform, Uh, but I'm super excited to have Julian and Kirsten from Rich and Regular on the podcast, and they're really going to be dropping uh, something special because they've written a book, and we're super excited because we, we got a little sneak peek of the book. And we're going to be digging in and asking some questions. So Julian and Kirsten, how are you both doing? What's good.
2: Up? Thank you for having us. It's always good to reconnect with y'all.
0: Yeah. Next time we got to get y'all out to Atlanta. Yes. Last time we saw
3: y'all, we had the privilege of hanging out with y'all out in Oakland. Yep. Uh, yeah. And so hopefully we can get y'all out to the East Coast, you know? Oh man, yeah, yes. we, we got to do that. We got to yes. do that.
1: So the last time we connected, it was for an episode of Money on the Table, yeah. Yeah. And for us, you know, it was <laughs> it was amazing, and it was great watching you two, like in your production bag and um, <laughs> coordinating and, and bringing together. um you know people to, to talk about. We talked about tech, we just it was just a great and robust conversation. And for us, it was just awesome seeing you in person. It was like, oh my gosh, there they are! You know, so <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. We had a blast, yeah.
3: we, we We felt the same too. way, man. Yeah. I remember seeing you guys across the street, and I was like, that's the hell, <laughs> that <dude." is>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that's also part of the um, you know, I, I guess the magic that we're really trying to create with that show. Um, and, and quite honestly, why we were you know, really fortunate and wanted to connect with you guys because you're real people. And I think Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, more people need to see that, right, that there are more people, real people with families, with challenges that aren't perfect, that are still out here making things happen. And I think more than anything, that is what really cuts through and helps other people like really want to reconsider their own lives and take action. So now we had a great time,
0: man. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a vibe. So before we really dig into the book, I just want to ask you all, how long you know have you been in this process how long because when when you're creating something you know uh it's almost like you're you're having a a baby right it's like how long did it take you to to really nurture and and get this book done
2: oh my goodness yeah i definitely understand why authors call them book babies now (laughs) because the process like the very beginning of the process which was for us finding an agent started in fall of 2019. And then we spent six months working on a book proposal, went through, I think, 12 rounds of a book proposal, trying to figure out like what we wanted our name to be attached to, what we wanted to be known for. And then we signed our book deal right in March of 2020, Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks before the World Health Organization declared it uh, a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. So everything changed after that. We had a plan for the book and the book was always going to be tailored towards black professionals, but it was gonna be tone, like the tone of it was a little different. And then everything happened. George Floyd happened, the pandemic happened, remote work happened. And so it allowed us to really say our message with our chest. (laughs) And so (laughs) allowing room for all of that change and transition to happen, long story short, it took us about two and a half years.
1: We really did feel that that labor of love. And just reading the book, I felt like you were talking to me and I feel that this is the book that the Black community needs, you know, right now. And so I'm just excited to dive into it a little bit more um, today. But one of the questions that I wanted to ask, and I kind of, I have an idea of what the answer might be, um, but what is it that readers will take away from the book that they won't be able to get from like reading your, your blog
0: and shout out to, before you go, shout out to their blog award-winning blog. Y'all, yes. if y'all are not familiar with it, but yes. Oh. Go, go ahead.
3: Yeah. So <clears throat> there's a lot that I think you'll get from, from the book. I think one of the, the, the benefits of writing a book is it's one of the few times that you, I think people get to truly organize their thoughts Uh, Especially if you're going the traditional route, you get to organize your thoughts, you get to be much more prescriptive, you get to be a lot more specific, and you don't really get that in a blog. A blog is a much more casual, uh, at least for us, a much more casual and, and, dare I say, even creative form of expression. A book is similar but it's much more structured. It's much more organized. We answer questions. We provide solutions. Those aren't really things that we've done in the past on our blog. And we've done that for a reason mm-hmm. um, because we didn't want to. Well, first of all, we don't really believe that instruction is actually going to be the key to getting people to take action. And I know that's a little controversial, but it's something that we realized in having Thousands of conversations with people about money, literally around the world, both in person and online. You start to realize more often than not, people have the answer, they know where to find the answer. They, that's not the problem, right? right? They're struggling with some of those other issues. It could be a cultural challenge or sort of a social norm that they're struggling to overcome, a combination of both, whether you want to call it fear, it doesn't matter. Those more uh, emotional issues are really what we think a lot of people that we're talking to um, in the book kind of struggle with. And so to your point, Shara, that's why we wrote it in a way. I mean, sometimes it felt like, uh, like a love letter. Uh, sometimes it felt like a kick in the butt, yeah. you know, but it was like, it, 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 it's a heavy dose of love. And we did that on purpose because we knew that we needed to do that in order to help people really, really uh, feel stirred up inside. So. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I, Definitely feel that that was accomplished because sometimes like you can read a financial you know, education book, you know, and like feel bad, you mm-hmm. know, about yourself. But re- but in reading um, your book, I felt empowered. Right. I didn't feel judged. You right. know, I felt like, OK, th- this is a framework for which. um I can be in the driver's seat to start to make good financial choices without going, okay, step one, step two, step three. But it was like a beautiful framework that was presented that I believe that readers will appreciate.
2: Yeah, thank you. that was really important to me um, because I am somebody who will dive into books and take on the voice and the rules of the author and in the personal finance space. That was really limiting for me because a lot of it didn't apply to my life. And so it was important that we created enough structure so people didn't feel like they didn't know, couldn't grab onto one thing and start, but mm-hmm. also gave you rituals and and reminders of things that you actually need to check in with yourself. I want the loudest voice in your head to be your own. Yeah. Black people do not need another guru, another teacher, another like, <laughs> person telling them what to do. We know what to do. We just need right. to like clear out all the, the fluff and the noise and like get re-centered and I think that's what we were trying to accomplish, which is very hard because publishers yeah. insist that people want to be told what to do and it's like when you're already marginalized, that's not what you want. <laughs> that's what you're right. used to but that's yeah. not actually what you want and certainly not what you
0: need. Yeah, I think that's very well put. Uh I was telling Shire, I said, if I got the, the vibe like when I first read and I, I hate to <laughs> insert this author but when I first read Rich Dad Poor Dad where yes! it wasn't it was so glad
2: you said that.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a uh a, uh a, a strategy per se. There was some strategy, but it was more mindset and open you up. It's like, man, I never, you know, so I got that. And I feel like the back black community and, and any other community that reads this mm-hmm. will get that vibe when they read this, like a lot of things that I never thought about that. You know, it's it a yeah. lot of light bulb moments in the book. So speaking of one, and you guys have kind of been on the front line of this, uh, the fire movement financial financially independent retire early can you kind of speak to how how and why that is important for communities like ours uh and why that's kind of been something you, you you both have been on the forefront for
3: um so i found the movement first uh then i shared it with kirsten um and you know it took her a while to kind of wrap her head around it but eventually she did um and then we both sort of Stop being outsiders and really decided to step in and really kind of make it a central part of our life. Um, but a lot of it goes back to what Kirsten was saying before in terms of the moment that we're in. Um, and a lot of these things were happening when we found a movement back in 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Society really just hadn't caught up to start giving it a name like the social reckoning, or we really weren't forced to pay attention because we didn't have a pandemic that we were dealing with at the time. But we were in the very early stages of our corporate careers. And so as we were thinking about this movement and in general, it's a powerful movement that I think is relevant for everyone, especially working professionals of all backgrounds. Doesn't matter. This is a movement that I think you should at least acknowledge is relevant and something that might be applicable for your life. But when you think about it in the context of the black community and you think about the racial wealth gap and you think about the racial income gap, you think about the struggles that so many black professionals have in the workplace and you combine all of those things. I think you really have to come to a decision to say, okay, I need to think about my like most of us think about our careers like like it's a game, right? And it's a game that we believe that we can win and we're going to win because we're going to work harder and we're going to be smarter and we're going to get more credentials and we're going to do all of these things and we're going to win but the reality is a very small percentage of people actually win and we define winning in very narrow terms it's Mm -hmm. either getting the job getting the next job and it doesn't ever stop and i'm getting the promotion what we're really trying to introduce to people all people but specifically the black community is that winning can look like being at a financial position where you can afford to walk away where Mm -hmm. you can essentially cash out and live life on your own terms and that doesn't mean Leave your job. It could mean leave your job, right. but you at least have put yourself in a position where that's an option for you. And most people don't have that. We are very comfortable with the imbalance of power between employee and employer, right? So right. we give them the right to fire us whenever they at want, any point, with no cause, with no real reason, for justifiable reasons, even because the company is hit on hard times. And more often than not, that leaves a lot of us uh, in a really precarious situation. So when we think about about community and we think about the opportunity that we have with the most educated uh, and a hardworking generation what we don't want is to squander this moment or to squander this opportunity so we wanted to give some instruction and an opportunity for us to say all right we're great and we're making great money but it may not last forever we may not have 30 years to figure this out so let's shorten that timeline for the betterment of ourselves but also
0: the improvement of our community that's that's dope. Uh, I love yeah. that. I love that. And I definitely got that, you know, from y'all's book. So wonderful. Now, there, there was a uh, a quote that that I really like, uh, liked it says freedom cannot be achieved without letting go. Uh, what are some of the things that, you know, people might have to let go of? I know you kind of touched on them there, but what, what are some of the things when you, when you say a quote like that? You know, wh- wh- what are some of the things you want people to think about when you say that?
2: It's a lot of the advice that you've been given by the adults in your life and the people that you love and look up to. Mm -hmm. I think to Julian's point, we're just at a time where traditional advice isn't going to serve you. Mm -hmm. And so things like, you know, you got to work twice as hard for half as much, or this idea that work ethic is more virtuous than freedom, or this idea that, um you know, just put your head down and take it. You should be grateful for the things that you get, even though the data suggests that we're underpaid and under-mentored and, you know, all these things that we're just supposed to be grateful and just supposed to be happy to be here. You have to let that go. And if you do have a prestigious career, if you do have a career that comes with some status in certain communities, being a doctor or a lawyer, you know, means something to your mom, to your grandma, to everybody. You have to let go of the idea that your job is somehow your identity or that your personality is attached to this thing that you do for a living. And I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people because it can feel like a sunk cost. It can feel like I've spent all of these years getting credentialed. I've Mm -hmm. paid hundreds of thousands of dollars on advanced education, my social network, my lifestyle, my friend groups are all built off of this like connecting thread of my career. And so you got somebody like me saying, nah, that's actually the least interesting thing about you. You'd be (laughs) totally fine if you never talked about law or medicine again, (laughs) like you'd be, you'd meet a whole different set of people and start to figure out like, you know, what makes you special as a person who's not exchanging their time for labor. And that idea is just really scary for a lot of people because you know so much is so much is built on top of it, yeah.
1: Right. And another quote: Look, I'm I'm paraphrasing at this point, but um, at one point in the book, it said that like your your title, your job title, will not be on your tombstone. Mm-hmm. And so, really, with this book, is like finding what matters to you, and then what steps you know do you need to take in order to get there. So I so thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. And-
0: I'm sorry. Okay. There, there's one thing I, I, I did want to say. It's like we all work with someone, and I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like their job is all they have, right? Yes. And I think right. this really, what you were saying, Kirstie, really speaks to that. This is like we're more than that we're more than that and you know sometimes you just you see those people and you're just like lord get another passion right get something
2: i get it and
3: i want to be clear like we've both been there oh yeah so we've been there um we've had the fortune of going through some of the hard conversations personally and with one another to come to the conclusion that we've come to and again we just so happen to have been willing to have that conversation with so many people over the years both within our circle uh, and outside of it uh and that's when we really started to realize that this is a pervasive this is culture this is part of american culture it's part of black culture and so to your point like you have to be willing to let some of those things go very similar to like parenting like We don't do all of the things that our parents' generation did, right? We take some of the things, or like you said, I think it was in the Money on the Table episode, the, you eat the meat and you spit out the bones, Mm -hmm. right? We have to be Mm -hmm. willing to do that uh, in more areas of our lives, in terms of our professional identities, in terms of our careers, in terms of how we think we can earn money, even though we may not necessarily know how to do it today. doesn't mean you won't be able to thrive at that thing a year from now. And so this is the moment that we're in, not just from a, social justice standpoint, but from an entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial standpoint, a lot of people really have an opportunity to lift themselves up and redefine who they are in a lot of ways. And we're hoping that our book can help get them over the hump.
1: Yeah. And so um, along those same lines, um, one of the chapters talked about the purpose of income. And I really enjoyed that chapter. And you laid out four uh, distinct purposes for income, one being security, flexibility, independence, and freedom. So can you talk a little bit more um, about that idea of having purpose for income, and you don't have to tell it all because yeah. of course we want folks wanna, to get the book, I need to get the book.
3: <laughs>
0: read it. Yeah.
2: I'm going to stop halfway through. It's like, if you want to <laughs> learn the other two, get the book.
0: <laughs> right.
2: I think the purpose uh, the purpose of income was really just our attempt to un- to tell people what it's like to live in a consumerist country, right? Consumerism is a huge part of the American economy even through investing in the stock market 70% of the stocks in S&P 500 index fund are related to consumer spending in some way and so the idea behind the purpose of income is pretty simple if you don't give your income a purpose somebody else will and there's so many there are so many systems that are dedicated to doing this in a really stealth way We talk about uh, watching NBA basketball or uh, NCAA basketball since it's going on right now. But if you look on the court, there are hundreds of ad placements. They're on the floor. They're on the backboard. They're on the whole shot Shot clock. (laughs) Trying to remember all the parts. I know. (laughs) (laughs) They on the rim, Um, but it's everywhere. Your phone is everywhere. And it's to the point now where you don't know why it's in your timeline or in your feed. You don't know if it's something that you clicked on or Alexa just er overheard you talking. And so you are like inundated with marketing messages and advertising. And so if you don't have a very clear purpose for your income, it's just going to go to the advertisers who are in your ear And so this is really just a reminder for people to say that the purpose of your income is to buy your freedom is you need to get money, know that your money can work way harder than you can put it to work. And as, as you move through the purposes, you're kind of shifting from, earning your money to managing your money to your money, then working for you. And that's the goal mm-hmm. is that you stop working and you have this financial plan that supports the laziest version of you. Whether mm-hmm. you ever decide to be lazy is up to you, but like you have a system that allows you to take a, a break when you need one yeah. shout out to the nap ministry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
2: encouraging everybody to take breaks.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Uh, and so one thing also that I really wanted to get into was the 15 year career. Like to me, that's where I got excited because uh-huh. so many people think, man. I mean, I've been working since I was 15 and a half, and mm-hmm. I know there were years there when I thought I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to do this till 65. That's this is what my right. what my granddaddy did, my mom and dad did it. But when you talk about the 15 year career, can you can you kind of get into some of that uh, for those who are really excited to get into this book?
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the idea started to really kind of build over the years, but I think there was a particular moment that really sparked it for us. It was because someone asked us, well, how long should a career be? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually a reporter. Uh, I won't name the publication, but we basically scheduled a time where she wanted us to contribute to an article. Uh, she actually missed that appointment, but she was, texting us and calling us frantically because her mom uh, had literally fallen that day. And she wow. was rushing to the hospital, trying to both care for her mom and um, get in this interview really quickly. Yeah. And it was really sad, obviously, because of what happened. Um, but all of that really just got us thinking. It's was like, wow, why don't you just take, just cancel the, the interview? Like, don't right. worry about us. We will make ourselves available. Mm-hmm. But we understood that she didn't see it that way. And so finally, when we spoke you know, we were talking about that a little bit. We were actually interviewing her a little bit to learn a little bit more about why she didn't just kind of let it go. Uh, and then we naturally went into this conversation around careers. Uh, and we were talking about how we'd manage our careers and some of the other people that we've met uh, throughout our financial independence journey who had managed their careers. And when we started to think about it, it was like... Th- very few people actually have a hard and fast number. We just walk into our careers thinking that we're going to be here for as long as they'll have me. Right. Right. For as long as I am able. Uh, But very rarely do we actually think, well, what if you began with an end in mind? Like, how would you manage your money differently? How would you manage your relationships and all of those things differently? And so as we started to think about how long our corporate careers were, I'm like you. I've been working and hustling since I was 15. And admittedly tired, right? Like when right. I got, I was like, all right, if I'm tired now, right. I know I'm going to be real tired 10 years from now. Yeah. Right. And then we landed on 15. That mm-hmm. felt about right. And we broke it down in terms of like, this is what you do with your money. This is how you manage your money. Uh, this is also how you manage your career in terms of uh, opportunities during that first five years. And hopefully if you can get out of that first five years, continuing to live low, 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 as far below yet comfortably below your means as you can, then you can come out and go into that second five year period, year six through 10. And now it's about developing different skill sets, knowing what you're good at. Hopefully you've tried a couple of different things. Maybe you're applying uh, for another job. Maybe you're, you know, exploring other departments, whatever it is, but you really want to help. Ident- you want to identify where your superpower is and Mm -hmm. what's the thing that makes you uniquely special that allows you to one, optimize your income both in that job, but also identify something that you might be able to build on outside of that job. Mm -hmm. And then that last sort of 10 years, assuming you've paid off all of your debt, you've been investing along the way. Now we're talking about years 11 through 15, where it's really about test and learn. You should be crushing it in your job at this point. You should be able to do it, you know, in your sleep. And now it's like, all right, with this extra time, I'm going to start looking outside and really putting these new skills uh, out there into the marketplace and seeing what I can do to, to gain some supplemental income. And what we found, one, that worked for us, but two, for a couple of other people it worked so well that they were actually able to walk away from their careers. They were able to cash mm-hmm. out before they even hit the 15th year. Right. Right. Wow. Um, and so, and, and you guys know this, you're you know, investors in real estate. Like it's always feels good to have those happy surprises. It could be that, yeah. Hey, rent, rent is growing. It could be that market appreciation is going and you realize that while you were banking on, let's say $1,000 uh, I'm just making it a, a rent collected at a particular property. Now it suffers of. 1200 1300 1500 right so you get those welcome surprises and i think uh, even outside of real estate there are people who invested in the stock market and certainly if you've invested over the last 10 years we've not experienced average historical return no, we're close right we've had years Above where average. it's three to four in some cases five x depending on what uh, your investment portfolio looks like and so you at least want to put yourself in a situation where that's an opportunity, where that's a possibility for you. And that's really what the 15 year career is about. It's about This is how you design your career. This is how you manage your time uh, so that at the end of that 15th year, you have some options. you have a little bit more power. You can decide to hang on and just collect uh, a steady paycheck in your life is easy from there. Or you at least have put yourself in a position where you're empowered uh, and able to walk away.
1: Yeah. I I love love that. that. And I like being able to read that section and see myself like where I would fall in that timeline. And then also evaluate or reevaluate, you know, okay, what am I not tapping into? And then also to feel good, like, okay, I'm, this is where, you know, (laughs) I am and I'm I'm not too far off. So I think that was great. And another thing that you all talked about was you know, obviously creating streams of income, um, outside of your nine to five job, but you also provided readers with reassurance that they didn't have to be an an entrepreneur to achieve fire. And so I really, um, did appreciate that. Um, but in considering your journey, there was a time when you took a leap from being, you know, a nine to five employee to being a full-time entrepreneur. So can you take us, you know, into a, a little bit of that, um, uh, journey and the the courage you all talk right. about the courage too um, that it really took to make that leap.
2: Yeah, Julian leapt first, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think what allowed us to do this was we had always, uh, for the majority of our relationship, lived off of one income, and so we had the flexibility in case someone you know lost their job or needed to leave that we would still be okay. And so when Julian left in 2018, we were living off of my income for about. 18 months before I joined him, while he was building the business, and so that timeline is really important for people to make sure that you have enough of a, run- a runway where you're bringing in cash from something else, as well as kind of building your your business, um, or you have a cat, you know, a cash reserve set aside. But yeah, when I left, it was a matter of. Of doing the math and asking the questions about who, what my job was teaching me to be, who my job was teaching me to become, I had reached what I felt like was the end of my 15-year career. You know, again, the other benefit of that framework is not looking at your career as this lifelong pursuit. It's deciding, like, after 15 years, very similar to 12 years of schooling or four years of college or six years of med school, whatever it is, that you're done. And so I felt like I had reached what corporate America could teach me at this point. And so the idea was to join the business and see what I could learn in, in this capacity. And it's been great. It's been challenging. It has challenged me more so than my job did in the last five to seven years. But at the end of the day, it's equipping me with skills that will be more valuable as we go into this new economy. So if I ever decide to go back to work, which is an option that's available to me, I'm well poised to do well in the new economy of of future work. Yeah,
3: my, my departure um, was a little different, right? And it, it involved, you know. You could argue some of the failures of yeah. diversity, equity and inclusion work in corporate America. And we talk a little bit about that in the book. We share some examples in terms of like how these power dynamics favor some more so than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we don't actually talk about my actual instance in the book. We talk about that on the blog in a three part series called uh, A Resignation Story. Okay. Um, but it's essentially, you know, a situation where I, I was made to feel very uncomfortable um mm-hmm. and was basically being um you know i, I hate to sound dramatic but when people like me what they say attack your character uh and that's something that happened to me uh but there was a really interesting uh racial dynamic that was a part of that uh and i learned a lot about myself through that process i also learned that a lot of people have their own versions oh, man, and stories of things like this yeah. um and are still till this day very uncomfortable talking about it and mm-hmm. so we felt as leaders, but also as creatives, that it was our job to talk about those things. And I think it actually helps to justify why our book is so important. Because when we talk about managing your money, we can't talk about money without talking about work. And if right. we talking to Black professionals, we have to acknowledge why their projections, why their sense of comfort should or or discomfort needs to be factored into their career. And so when we talk about a 15-year career, it's not just a matter of saying, hey, so that you can make as much money, get in and get out. It's also a matter of saying, hey, these environments um, have historically been very harmful to not just your physical health, but our mental health. There is exactly. certainly blowback in terms of how it impacts uh, the way that you show up as a parent, especially as a father. It's 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 actually yeah. worse for men given the failures of paternal leave policies and all of those other things. Um, but it's 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 not designed for families to thrive. No. Right. And so if you want to give your 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 family much more than what typical corporate American benefit structures allow you to have. You need to plan and manage your career so that you can actually do that. And again, it's not even just so that you can have a better relationship with your children. Increasingly, more of us are also financially responsible for caring for our parents. And so if you want to be there Mm -hmm. for your parents, it's very difficult to do that if you are working a traditional job, because jobs don't really allow you to do that without burning your vacation time, your personal time, or just continually Uh, setting yourself up to be late. And so a lot of this, uh, these other layers from diversity and uh, benefits are sort of factored into our recommendation for the 15 year career. Uh, And that was at the heart of why I ultimately decided that it was time for me to move on because I built streams of income outside of my job and I was empowered to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I appreciate that you tackled that dynamic about what it is to be black and to work in corporate America because that is a topic that you don't find in other mm. financial books and nope. you've even pulled in the stories of other people. And I was reading one and I said, Oh my goodness, the same thing happened to me, mm. you wow. know, but, um, in reading that, in reading, um, your book, it's affirmed, you know, my belief that I can still succeed and I can still have a great life in spite of what my you know, be happening right. in yeah. in corporate America that I can still cash out
2: and, w- and win the
1: wealth game by one day walking away.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what we wanted. Like when we were writing, there were so many times where we like imagine a persona of a really smart person who does not need to be told what to do, but to be reminded of how powerful she is or he is and what choices they have in front of them Cause that's the key to liberation. That's the key to freedom is to believe that you have a choice. And so many of us just don't think we have a choice. And it's like, but you do like, you just need to change a couple of things and, and then choose whenever you want to. It doesn't have to be year 15 or you don't have to retire at 40 or whatever it is like, but just to always feel like you have a choice because that's how you maintain your power. And that's how you opt out of really toxic situations yeah. before they become harmful to your family.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yep. Well, y'all, I want to get a little spicy
2: right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's talk about it right all right so you you you. let's talk about navigating life after you leave the work the workforce right so with your spouse i really want to tap i really want to get some insight from you two because you two now work together yeah, yeah and i was talking about this it was like because as we near retirement you know we had these conversations and she looked at me one day she's like man do i do I want to be around you twenty four seven. Like, is that what I want? So, how have you all navigated leaving the workforce and now being entrepreneurs together, or retiring together, or you know, how does one navigate that life now? And is it is it is it hard?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not easy. We're not perfect. We have our days. We've had we have far more good days than bad okay. days. Yeah. Writing a book together during a pandemic while raising a child and all the other things is not easy but we were able to do it i think we're a little unique in that we met at work right so when we met in 2012 you know we met starting our jobs uh and working on the same teams mm. uh, and so we were already kind of familiar with each other's work style and our approaches and we knew that it was complementary even as we were exploring renovating our home that in and of itself is uh, or in, in, i'm sorry even as we were exploring our real estate portfolio back in the day before we ended up selling it, that was a partnership that was us working yeah. together in order to make those things happen. And so uh, I think, you know, we're, we're life partners. That's really what this is about. We're husband and wife. We're already a team. And so for us, it wasn't that difficult being able to make that pivot, I will say there are much more. Um, there are some simple things that help, right? Like we've got three levels to the house. <laughs> she works upstairs. I work downstairs, and there's a lot of room in between, so we can't necessarily hear each other. You know, I might hear when she's going to get some water or something, you know, on the main level. But like, you know, that that helps. We didn't do that by design. It just so happened to be. that yeah, yeah, worked that, out. That worked for us. Um, but you know, I think I think you know. We, we, we get through it right yeah. you know I, we don't get too much into that in in the book yeah. um but um but obviously there is there's a lot that comes with like working with your partner um learning their work style also giving them room to grow and you know like we're not each other's boss you know what i mean yeah. like we're, we're we're collaborating on this we got a whole other business that we're starting and so yeah. it's 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 fun overall but there are definitely some challenges every now and then
2: Yeah. And there's not a lot of like role models. There's not a lot of, you know, couples that are out loud and like working together and sharing their tips. And so I don't even know that that would help if that did exist, but it's a lot of trial and error. It's a a lot of like asking, you know, I'm not telling you this as your coworker. I'm telling you this as your wife. So respond as my husband and not my (laughs) business coach or whatever, whatever hat you're wearing today. There's a lot of like weird kind of quirky stuff like that where I have to like introduce which role I'm playing before I say the thing. Um, And then to Julian's point, there's a lot of just like creating space. Like there's a we spend a lot of time together between raising a kid and running some businesses and family time. And so there's a lot of effort and intentionality and you know allowing each other to miss each other (laughs) so i'm gonna go here for two days or you go there for two days or tonight we're gonna eat dinner in separate rooms just like to let the day breathe because there's been a lot of togetherness so again it probably sounds odd to people who are not in the same situation but it's what's allowed us to continue doing this and it's what's allowed it to be sustainable because we create space
3: yeah
0: i love that man i mean I think Chris Rock was saying how like how nowadays couples see so much of each other and compared to his his mother and father. Like they wouldn't see each other like all day.
2: I remember that. It's true. It's true. It's true. There's something to that.
0: Well, I mean, that's great. That's great. I kind of wanted to go there because, you know, any individual who's reading this book. And and says, okay, at this year I could be done. You know, it's, it kind of wanted to get some insight on, well, what's life look like after, after that? Yes. Because yeah. I truly believe that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people cashing out, man, after this, yes. after reading this book. I really believe that it's, it's very so. enlightening and it's, it opens you up to something that many people don't even really think of like, man, I, okay, okay, I could do this. So yeah. I hope you're yeah, right.
2: Because right. Yeah. that gets me excited about the progress we'll make as a community, right? Yeah. If fewer people are spending, 50 hours, 60 hours focusing on, you know, spreadsheets and right. and whatever you do at work. Like, you can actually have better conversations and be better friends and start to ask better questions and check on your strong friend and, you know, for the fellas, actually talk about your mental health together and move past the basic conversations of basketball and rap or whatever that's that's very cliche i know i talk about more than that
0: (laughs) That, that, that's a good that's a good assessment i'm gonna let it slide
2: (laughs) i just look forward to how we all can show up for each other when we're not so focused on being these brazen careerists yeah with no end in mind yeah yeah Yeah.
0: absolutely well I any last any final thoughts I sure you know you
1: I was just going to say that we appreciate you both so much Man, and everything you do you Man. do it in this with the spirit of excellence right. and oh. we admire that about you and we're yeah. super excited about about your book and the things to come after yeah
0: yeah Thank so you so much months, guys. absolutely so where can people find this book uh where can they get their hands on it let, let, let us let us know where this is going where this is going to be at yeah so pretty much every major retailer so um,
3: Amazon you can get the uh, the book at Target Walmart uh, Barnes and Nobles those tend to be the top four places where we found people are searching for books but um, there's several others you can go to our website at richandregular.com. We will uh, have a list of, for those who are interested, black-owned and indie uh, bookstores if you want to support small businesses. so We'll have a list of those. We'll even have a list of libraries. There are a handful of them who are going to have the book uh, ready for checkout. Obviously not all of them, but you can do that as well. If, if you aren't able to uh, purchase the book, you can certainly ask that your library request it. Uh, we'll also have audiobooks. We'll be narrating it ourselves. And so mm-hmm. if you prefer to listen on Audible or on uh, the Apple Books um, audio book platform, you can do it there as well. But uh, anywhere books are sold, you should be able to
0: get it. And if not, you can ask them and they'll get it. But if not, Amazon
3: is probably going to be your best bet
0: man that's dope y'all they we talk about target and and amazon and you know, <laughs> Come Like, on. you know this is this is for real So, uh, we, we're super hyped uh for you for you both so thank you thank, Jordan, you. thank y'all for being on man yes. thank you uh, man it's great seeing you guys yes. only thing i'm missing is some some, Udon some food,
3: right? <laughs> and some wings and some drinks so we'll definitely uh, have to do this
0: again uh in person uh next time absolutely absolutely all right, everybody. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Black Mirror and Deathly podcast. This is Marcus, and I'm here with my lovely wife. Shira. We're going to holler at y'all on the next one. Peace.
1: Bye.